Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gen J Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Heffington, and this show is brought to you by your friends at Generation Joshua. As we travel around the country working with young leaders, we meet all sorts of amazing people who are working to change their corner of the world for the better. If you've ever been to one of our iGovern camps, you've probably heard from some of these people. But we thought that it would be awesome if we could sit down for some in-depth conversations and get their stories on the record so that we could share them with the greater Gen J community. This podcast is the culmination of that process, and we think that you're going to find these conversations encouraging and inspiring. So go ahead, pop in your headphones, connect to your Bluetooth speaker, whatever you got to do, and let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gen J Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Heffington, and I am back in the studio with Joel Gruy for what I guess is now becoming a tradition. Yay. Which I love is this tradition. the May the 4th Gen J Podcast Star Wars special? Sure. Let's go with that. Different and there's than a history Star Wars with holiday special. <laughs> yes. Not, it's a holiday. It's just not that holiday. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so we did this last year, and Joel and I were, were talking, and we thought, you know, uh, we, we, we actually just, for those of you who are reg- regular listeners, we're having the docket and coming out soon in the next few weeks are something absolutely incredible normal episodes of the Gen J podcast. We've got some guests that I'm super excited for you to hear from. But it's as we're recording this, it's it's the afternoon of May the 3rd. And when you hear it, it'll be May the 4th, Star Wars Day. And Joel and I thought, you know, we have a minute. Why not bring this back? We got some great feedback. You guys really seemed to enjoy it last time. We I did enjoyed too. It last time. Yes. <laughs> it was good. Um, and since, you know, I see behind the scenes and see our, our numbers, it's consistently one of the most popular episodes we've done. I d- I'm not sure what that, how that makes me feel. Well, it just means we understand our audience when we did this. Okay. There, that's <laughs> How's what we'll that? say. It sounds you good guys, that way. You guys let us know when you listen to this. Let us know. Um, anyways, we are going to be looking at Star Wars and putting our very, you know, Gen J, uh, spin on it. And we have a discussion that I've, I've affectionately called Star Wars, a galaxy in crisis, and the subtitle being how some basic principles of governance could have really helped things out. Now, we're not talking about Disney as a government in crisis right now. We're talking right. about... <laughs> yeah, no, the, Disney's government got dissolved by Ron DeSantis. <laughs> that was a different thing. No, we're talking about far, far away, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah we're and a long far, time far ago. away, Galaxy, George Lucas, sometimes Dave Filoni, you know, that kind of the stuff. The better moments, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, anyways, Joel, um, where should we dive in here? There's a lot to cover. This isn't going to be a super long episode, but we've got, you know, nine movies plus a growing number of TV shows, TV shows. some like, of which have been really, really good. Really I've been good. really liked those. Some of the movies, man, that's where the fans start splitting, right? <laughs> sure. But I mean, who who can't like The Mandalorian? Oh, I love it. No, it's good stuff. And we have the Kenobi show coming out We do. We do. I'm really interested. And please don't ruin it. Yeah. But I'm really yeah. excited. I'm hoping they get it right. No, I, I think we start... I think with a general observation, I was thinking about this. When you called it a galaxy in crisis, I thought that was really good because if you look at the Star Wars stories, the ones that we grew up with, that we love, that we show, um, that we talk about, in every one of them, you're seeing a government ascendant and you're seeing a government collapse. In fact, Star Wars kind of lives with this pendulum swing of governments, um, crashing and burning, rising and falling, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and like we don't ever really see it doing well it doesn't actually just work theoretically like there I, there may in the deep you know lore there might be eras where it was just boring because it was working well so we don't really hear about those eras but kind of starting with 
the prequels. Yeah. No, nobody's no. doing great for very long. No, no. The Republic is is collapsing under its own weight at the beginning of uh, episode one. Um, by the time we get to episode seven, we see that that's the biggest jump. We see that may have sort of had a government, but what you basically had there was rolling up what was left of the empire after Endor and trying to build a new Republic, which gets vaporized by the end of the first of, of, of that movie. Yeah. Um, there isn't really any successful functioning government. The empire lasted for what? 15 years. Basically, maybe, basically maybe 20, depending on how you want to cut it. Like for long enough to, to, for Luke to grow and, up. Yeah, right. Like 16 yeah. years, give yeah. or take. That's not exactly a stable government. Right. Galaxy spanning, maybe, but stable, not so much. Yeah. Really amazing. Uh, if we're just talking pure efficiency, what you can do in 16 years, go from, you know, go from to- total rebrand. You know, we had our Yeah, clones, what it was was a rebrand. Right, you know, right, right. Total rebrand. Uh, but when you're rebranding Star Destroyers, that's, that's, yeah. that's a lot in 16 years. Well, and really it shows... There's obviously some planning that's been put into this and the repurposing of existing infrastructure, which is actually something that when you see governments rise and fall is actually pretty common. You take what exists and you you relabel it, recolor it, you know, put put a new dressing on it. But often some institutions will just carry from one thing to the next. You're like, why is this random obscure country got Soviet weapons? And because a long time ago, yeah, yeah, that's what they had. <laughs> because a long time ago, there was a discount sale, and, and the Soviet Union was basically doing a fire sale of everything yeah. was available for cheap. Yeah. Right, right. So that being said, I think Lucas is really an avid student of culture and history. Um, he granted he picks and chooses in weird ways, to be fair, but that's what makes it an interesting story. But one of the sure. things that I think is interesting about Star Wars is you're able to take stuff that we look at from a government perspective, and this happens in more than just government, but we kind of shove it away and say, we're not really going to acknowledge that fact. But in Star Wars, he's able to put it on display, and because it's a galaxy far, far away and a long time ago, it can be a thing that's right. kind of center place. Uh, we see this at the beginning with the Old Republic, for example, where basically I think the line is basically that the the bureaucrats are in charge. Yeah. And, and really we have this ponderous weight of bureaucracy, but really what you have with with the Republic is a is an attempt to do government government by consensus and committee. Right. And it crashes and burns with which, no executive functional leadership in place. Which is probably, if we're kind of diving into that episode one Republic era, mm-hmm. you know, episode one, two, probably the closest I've ever come to actually resonating or agreeing with anything that Palpatine says is, is his <laughs> comments on bureaucrats. He oh, may be yes. a bad guy, but you know, even a broken clock is right once or twice, twice a day. day yeah. <laughs> well, and to be fair, some of those were his bureaucrats, but exactly. There, but there's that the doesn't mean, going. Even when they're your bureaucrats, doesn't mean they're you don't good. necessarily like, like them. That's no, something no, that, that's fair. That's fair. But but really, you see something there where you had taken essentially a, and that, that's an interesting dynamic there because you have this technocrat government that's theoretically a quasi sort of meritocracy committee that runs things with a representative senate and a very weak uh, executive figure. You know, the chancellor, right? Right. And yet, like our representative Senate, and I don't know, maybe you have context for this, but like getting, like, like I assume it's representative that they're all duly elected, but it, could it also be an aristocracy? Because like, for example, we have our princess from, from Naboo. Except nerd moment here, they elect their queens and they appoint their senators. Interesting. The queen appoints the senator, but the, the queen is elected. Don't ask me how that makes sense, but it does apparently it's work. Kind of like, it's kind of like how uh, the Senate used to work. Right. When, when, the House was elected, yeah, the Senate was yeah, appointed. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. No, it, they each 
planet was allowed to pick how they did this, and some of them weren't even planets. They were companies, right? So you get all sorts of weirdness as far as what made up the Senate. And I think right. that was also part of the issue is that that lack of representation yep. was there. They also had a limitation on how much legislation they could actually put through, right. which considering, I mean, the amount of legislation that went through the Star Wars Old Republic Senate was lower than what goes through our Congress today. And that's saying something pretty pathetic, actually. <laughs> uh, that aside, it was a thing. But there was obviously, it created a very frustrated dynamic. Now, obviously, the Sith is encouraging that, right? Mm-hmm. He wants dysfunction there um, because then it provides an opportunity for productive tumult, change, and right. ascension to power. Right? Yeah. Um, but you also saw what should have been institutions to preserve those sort of principles weakened. And we see this are all around the world. If you want to take down a government, there are institutions that keep those governments in function, and those have to be abrogated, undermined, corrupted, right. or distanced. And or as distracted. That happen- or distracted. Yeah. And as that happens, in Star Wars or in real life, that weakens those structures. Yep. And it did there. And one of those structures back in the Republic era being the Jedi Council. Right, right? which at one point back in the day had been connected, was, at that point was very connected to the Senate, in some regard, they actually had a, not that they could do this in the movies much, but it's in the lore, how much you want to read in that, it's up to you. But they had an entire committee that functionally was the bridge between the High Council of the Jedi and the Senate. Hmm. And then we added more on top of that, and, and Mace Windu and all of the, the crew that was kind of going back and forth with the yeah. different things. The, the, the Jedi were originally somewhat independent of the Senate, and then they became significantly more affiliated. And there was the, they call it, an, they call it defense of the Republic, Mm-hmm. But what it often became was a defense of the Senate. Right. That, and then the Senate's proxy, and in this case, the Chancellor wielded that power. That wasn't actually good long-term. We can right. call it that, I right. think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So we've got our Republic era. What was what was our form of government? What would we boil that down to? We, we said it was kind of a, was it an aristocracy? Was it a representative uh, it was democracy? nominally representative. Nominally representative. Because there. I don't think we, because the, at least in the fact that it voted democratically within the body. Yeah, yeah. However, how those people got there was all across the board. Yeah. So Wildly some, different. Some mashup of an aristocracy, a polity, an oligarchy. And a few other, and, and, and a, a few tyranny. Others. A few things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for example, um, Alderaan, right? Mm-hmm. Alderaan is ruled by a bunch of noble houses. Right. Okay. And who gets to go? There's this infighting between the noble houses as far as who gets to send. In this case, it was the Organa family, right? right. Um, Bale and, and the whole crew, like that's the representative from Organa, but from Alderaan, but they have fights and there's all sorts of like, like Roman grade house on house warfare mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to figure out who gets to be the representative in the Senate. Yeah. Um, and that's Alderaan, and that's considered yeah, one of the better forms of government. Yeah, yeah right, we don't right. have standardization. No, there is no standardization. High levels of planetary sovereignty yep. uh, to the good and the ill. It meant yeah. that there was no universal recognition and defense of certain rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things we see in our government is that there are certain things that apply to everyone, right. and the federal government is actually charged with making sure that everybody gets due process and that yep. everybody, um, you know, the, the, the right to life, liberty, you know, those things exist in all the states no matter what their permutations. Yep. And there's a lot of freedom within that to make that happen, but there's also some stuff you've got to meet these minimums. And... There was a lot broader freedom and a lot less minimums that existed there, which yeah. allowed for a lot more uh, unrest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. So what happens next? Well, it crashes and burns. Anything made that way is going to collapse at a certain point. And if you feed to that um, a malicious a- actor, which we obviously have in Palpatine, right? Yep. Okay. He's looking to encourage that. And he's playing both sides. So you put, you put a yeah. weak government system, you, add it, you put in, it into a war, yep. and the people that are fighting 
are fighting for the reasons that everybody's mad about in yep. that. So there's a whole lot of sympathy going toward the separatists in a sense. Yep. Um, now, granted, the way their tactics were quite a bit different than their rhetoric, but from a rhetorical level, they can come off pretty sympathetic. Sure. A tactical level, not a chance. Right. Okay. How they did it was really bad. Yeah. What they said didn't sound as bad. No, and especially, I mean, you know, from playing both sides of it is right, but even from the Republic side of it. The Republic was shaky. The Republic was having its own issues. Oh, sure. Except have, when have we seen this before that, you know, nothing like for, for, a, for a despot who's feeling a little bit uh, uncertain of where they stand, nothing like a bit of a, a war effort to rally around the flag, rally around the flag them, and be like, you know, hey, we're going to go fight this country. And right, my right. poll numbers are going to go up. Yes, and I might happen to get a little more control of the Senate, too. Right, right. Side benefit. And on top of that, the Republic builds an army. Right. Yeah, we have that. The Republic up until that point, ironically, didn't really have one. They relied on the planetary navies and the the Senate Guard and whatnot to kind of manage things. But but unfortunately, the sheer scope of their empire, uh, let's call it what it was, whatever it was, this massive hegemony, like they, they needed at least a national security, like a, like a domestic security grade Navy because of, you know, let's call it stars in space, right? But but they needed an army and they didn't have one. And so then when a crisis hit their door, they didn't have the manpower to respond, okay? Yep. They suddenly were up against something that was far outclassing them initially. And although they had a bunch of disparate pieces, there was no highly effective, mobile, well-trained core that you yep. could build from. And we see this all the time on earth where you see... Countries get complacent, Mm -hmm. and then something goes wrong, and the EU panics. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? I think we actually do need a military. What a thought. And it's no fun to pay for when you're not using it. I get that. And we shouldn't want to use it just because we have it. Right. But when you need it, those are not things that appear from nowhere. Right. And they needed it. And frankly, part of that was it. One of the issues they had was a major, like, piracy smuggling issue on the mid-rim. Yeah. And they didn't have the naval force to deal with corruption. Yep. And then it kept feeding more and more problems. Yep. And then on top of that, what do we see with, um, you know, we we see our we see our classic false flag mm-hmm. attack operations. Yep. You know yep. that that like basically the entirety of the Clone Wars was a false flag operation. Absolutely. Well, and 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 what you had was a convenient solution. Right. The convenient solution being the clones. Okay. Yeah. And at that point, you didn't have the opportunity to look at the ho- look in the mouth of the gift horse. Yeah. You needed the horse, yeah. right? Yeah. And so they took it. Which ultimately was the final blow. Yeah. Right. Which, uh, uh, for any of our listeners who have seen one of the, uh, I think this came out since we talked last time. I'm not sure, but the Bad Batch show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something that you get into that show with just starker and starker, uh, you know, relief mm-hmm. is like the, you know, I think back in when I was first watching Star Wars, I was like, ooh, the clones, Palpatine's behind the clones. He wants to create the army that maybe isn't good, you know, all this. I didn't really so much then as a little kid stop to think about the human rights ethics implications Mm -hmm. of breeding in a laboratory an army of second, third, fourth class citizens who... Or or, let's call it... Slaves. Slaves. Basically because, a slave army. Yeah. Right. Because they functionally, when you program them to where they can't disobey. Right. And genetically modifying them to to be, you know, really effective on the battlefield and, loyal. and and speed up through all of their all of their uh development and then kind of be just cannon done. fodder and or de- dead done, dead, yeah, yeah. you know. 
No, they, they had a very accelerated life cycle, good and bad. The, the issue with that is, of course, we can look at that and say at least part of that was directly the result of a Sith, and let's put the blame where, where it belongs. Right. But there's not exactly a... Star Wars does not have what we call the Imago Deo, that right, each person right, is made right, in the image of God and therefore inherently valuable and right. you don't have to mess with this. That obviously was missing, and that was a big deal. They, the clones were a moral failing of the... Uh, of the Republic, as much as I actually like the characters, yeah. and some of them are pretty incredible. Yeah, the existence as a concept, yeah, I think showcases the, the how how far the moral framework had degraded. Right. That the Republic was kind of theoretically resting on. There was yeah. no longer any. There was not a lot of justice and virtue left underneath. And there were yeah. some people that really wanted to bring it back, but it was not a question of preserving. Right. It was a question of bringing it back. Right. And once you get to that point, you have a good shot of having. Either a takeover so, or whatever. So to play uh, devil's advocate, Palpatine's advocate, if it was so far gone, now the I'll I'll undercut my own thing here because it was his fault that it was that far gone. There but, is that. but you know, but but, but let's play his, it out from, from a public PR, perspective, our, from a PR you know, side, from, right? From his PR side, if it's so bad, why don't we just burn it down and and why don't we point out the failings of the Jedi and call it a uh, a conspiracy, you know, a, a coup attempt, mm-hmm. and like, like you know, the, then then we do that, and we see that he does that, and you know, ascends to greater power than ever before. Well, I would make the argument as a rule that two right, two wrongs don't make a right. Sure. So we went from one wrong to a new wrong, mm-hmm. but it's still a wrong, right? Okay. It didn't actually. The Empire gave stability, right, which is what he needed to undercut, which allowed him to make that. But what it didn't give anyone was right. Yeah. Like, or good, or justice. Yeah. In fact, it was quite a bit, quite a ways removed from that. And so we just had a, a li- but I will say this, it was slightly more honest. Hmm. It actually was, well, we're an empire. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. stuff that you would never tolerate in what we consider a free society sure. was just kind of run-of-the-mill really at that Whoever point. Whoever said okay? we're a free society. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, what is it? Comnor, the Commission on the Preservation of the New Order, whatever. Yeah. Like, they have these, all these little groups yeah. that ran around that basically acted as Saddam's Revolutionary Guard or the right. Council on the Revolution for this, whatever, the secret police, etc. They had this whole crew that was designed, that was a was basically a very much a police state. Right. That had remnants and echoes of what we would call freedom, but nothing really there. Yeah, no. And and then as we see moving into the rise and expansion of the empire, we see, you know, further and further, uh, uh, you know, star systems being succumbed, some slipping through their fingers, <laughs> yes. to quote, uh, you know, the princess. <laughs> to Tarkin's issues, to quote the princess, um, yes, yes. But uh, we also see a decreased uh, quality of life for citizens. We see mm-hmm. entire regions, planets, chunks of space being pretty much subjugated for the, mm-hmm. you know, for the, the, the benefit of other, of other regions. And some, some went along with it and some yeah. didn't. Right. Kashik, for example, with the Wookiees, yep. they never really played along with this. They never surrendered. Right. Okay. And they become subjugated by the empire. Yeah. Uh, the Mon Calamari, Admiral Akbar. the, mm-hmm. it's, it's a trap. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That group, um, they were very, they actually had at least an initial affinity to the, to the empire because they hated smugglers and lawbreakers. Mm-hmm. Like he's always got an issue with Han yeah. because, well, they're smugglers and Lando, like that whole crew, like he just does not like that, that, right. that entire planet does not. But eventually they two were like enough and they start taking their, their yachts and converting them into warships. Like that's yep. where you get that Mon Calamari, like the bubble cruisers yep, that the yep. Republic uses or the rebellion does that comes from there. But, but they had to hit their line and say enough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and so the empire at one point blockades them like like mm-hmm. and, and each time trying to suppress dissent yep uh, because they can't tolerate someone saying that's not good either yep they needed to look right yep what do we have uh what would we you know we have the empire but it's such a big empire it's you know it's scaled up to galactic proportions sure but it actually isn't too far off from our USA actually if you look at it, like you have your central executive, right? You have yeah. Palpatine and his like superpowered vice president, Darth Vader, right? right like right, right, at, right. at a level <laughs> elite that no vice president yes, in our country's yeah, ever yeah, dreamed yeah. of, right? You've yeah. got that. But then you have what they called um, the MOFs. Mm-hmm. Okay, they call the MOF College, right? And there's there's the the Navy, the Grand Admirals, the mm-hmm. Admirals, the Generals, etc. And then you have the MOFs. And the MOFs were actually in the they they bridged civilian and military mm-hmm. okay and Tarkin being you know the Grand Moff Tarkin he's got the the desk kind of right. a more of a cabinet role but almost almost governor okay? oh yeah, yeah yeah they had either right, regional, areas of responsibility right, re, yeah. or like as far as topics or right. they had geographic responsibility yeah. kind of like we see Moff Gideon right. in right. the Mandalorian right. yeah they had sectors and what they called oversectors yeah okay and the oversectors make up the entire basically the entire galaxy and so they had different people assigned to different ones uh, Thrawn okay Grand mm-hmm. Admiral Thrawn which makes him shows up in Rebels and some other stuff and is, is Thrawn technically out. a Moff a Moff he was a Grand a Admiral Moff. yeah okay? and the Grand Admirals and the Grand Moffs actually oversaw there was a Moff and an Admiral that would oversee each district I see okay, okay. so Tarkin for example may have a grand moff so a moff is more of a political figure than a military figure yes except the grand moff tarkin but they can control military assets it's kind of like the governor of a state they can activate the national guard and send them to go do something yeah okay but the smart ones listen to their admiralty and listen to the stuff so they had a they had the imperial war college which was all of the admirals and generals including all the grand the the grand admirals went on and then they had the Moff College, which was all the, basically was essentially the council of all of the the sector governors, for mm-hmm. lack of better terms, and those two worked together to kind of run the empire. The economic and political and domestic security mm-hmm. was the Moffs, and the actual war fighting was the admirals. So that's really fascinating. I love that that view of it. I'm a nerd. I think I think the that's probably the 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 kindest PR spin you would give to the empire comparing it to some version of the United States with Thank Darth you. Vader being a superpowered <laughs> VP. Evil version of the um, vice president, yes. Yeah, so... Um, what, trying to make it what, accessible, what do you right? think? What do you think is the more, the the less kind to them spin? Because, because sure. you know... Uh, the U.S. may not be perfect, but I think we're no, no, also no. far from an we empire. Are. We are, we are. No, in this case, what you had was utterly no accountability to any of those systems, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, They could do whatever they want. They could kill whomever they want, and literally no one could call them out unless the person was higher up the totem pole. There yeah. was no justice system of any kind. There was no accountability system. No representation either. There was no representation. Yeah. What you had was more like, it's kind of like after, like, like a military governorship. Right, where you taken it over, and now you had someone who had to handle the civilian side right. of affairs, kind of, kind of like a, a Jerusalem under the Roman occupation or something, where it's like you had you had Pilate, you right. had Herod, you right. had Caesar. In, Ultimately, in theory, yep, you know, yep. um, that's but, that's a better analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for people who are not students of history, we have yeah. to work with what we got here sure. domestically. But but yes, that is a better comparative um, as far as the the moral aspects that go right. with it. From a structural thing, you're just saying it does not make one sense for one person to completely have all the military affairs and have all the civilian affairs. We're going to split that. Right. Okay. There's a logic to that, right? No one can try and do all the things. Okay. Yep. Besides, if you're the emperor, you don't want anyone to have full control of all the pieces. You want to split up the particular right. people who can. And who could as, threaten you. as we know, with this emperor being a Sith, he was very conscious. Uh, yes, uh, to quite aware of that. The threats of you know 
how many apprentices did he go through before he landed on Darth Vader? A few, uh, and then he, a few. and then he had yeah. what was called the Hands, the Emperor's Hands, which was an yeah. entire little assassin corps that ran around underneath it. Not to mention, and this was more under Vader, but not to mention the Inquisitor Squad, right. which Vader had his Inquisitors and his version of the Hand. Um, uh, yeah. if, if you've seen the game, Star Killer is the character that shows oh, up that is basically Vader's attempt at having an apprentice, hmm. which has issues. And yeah. then you have the Emperor's version with you know the Emperor officially has Vader, but then also has a bunch of force-powered assassins running around, both of which duel it out on occasion, and there's this shadow war happening between, in this case, the Emperor and Lord Vader, mm-hmm. plus what's happening with all of the civilian, domestic security, military... So, so was there... It's a political so knife was fight there like nothing else. In the, in the canon, is there an established rift between Vader and the Emperor other than Luke and, and Leia eventually? Well, always. Always. The goal of the, the, the role of the Sith, right? Yeah. Is that the, the, the apprentice becomes the master. Sure. So sure. by structure, by design from the get go, with the, the, the rule of two to yeah. invoke an old thing, it was always designed that eventually the, the apprentice would supplant the master and right. come off and raise their own apprentice. Like that was just how the system worked, which I think has issues. But, yeah. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, the. It's like the dark version of a succession plan. Oh, yeah, there was a plan. It's just no yeah. one likes that plan. Now, yeah. the emperor was trying to subvert the plan. He yeah. was attempting to achieve immortality, right? Like right. we see all the rest of the stuff with the yep. resistance and all that yep. in the first order. But but that had been the plan for a long, long time because they discovered that if you had more than two of them, then it got even more unwieldy and more chaotic and more well, it, it gets worse. Right. Real fast. So the galaxy can't handle more than two at a time, and it can't even handle two all that well. So with that, we get to we, we've got our empire is going strong, except that we've got growing unrest, and we've we got something that eventually formalizes the rebellion into the rebellion to restore the, the to restore the alliance, right. the rebel alliance. That's and right. what's interesting is that is formed up from the ashes of the republic, right? The people who actually still believed the ideas the republic espoused, even if it couldn't actually achieve them. Yeah, those idealists are dangerous people. Yeah, they can topple empires. Yeah, what is it? Uh, you know. A small but tireless minority yes. keen to set brush fires in the minds of men. Yeah, it's like John. It's like it's like Adams was talking about the Rebel Alliance right there. It right. Totally worked. And right. and brush fires they set. Some very literal. Yeah. <laughs> some more idealistic. Right? When Saw Gerrera came through, sometimes more than <laughs> brush fires. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, and that gets another question for quality control and and ideological like like effectiveness versus yeah, because it's like kind of like you're saying with the with the clone with the clone army situation, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth, especially when you're when a rebellion. You're the rebellion, that's on the ropes. really yeah. underdogs. Can you look a gift horse in the mouth? And yet, at the same time, if you don't, then you're not necessarily any better than what you're trying to. Replace. So, if you want a modern comparative to that, when the state of Israel was formed, mm-hmm. okay, and the Palestinian, uh, basically the the mandate ended, where where Britain kind of ruled that area, and and the, what it currently is the modern state of Israel rose, they had the same problem mm-hmm. because they had a bunch of freedom fighters that were working with them, and some of them were willing to play along and, and follow the rules and play into the system and, and make sure they aligned to that, and some of them weren't, and that created some pretty serious issues for them. In, fa- in fact, but at the same time. The leaders at that time couldn't completely distance themselves from those people. They needed them in one sense, but they also couldn't. And so how do you deal with people that are willing to to push farther than you're comfortable with, particularly when you don't have the resources to force them to comply? Yeah. It was a real issue. And and Star Wars, to its credit or not, does try to reflect that to some degree. Nobody in it's perfect. Right. Not by a long shot. Yep. And what what is it? Is it Machiavelli or Sun Tzu who says, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? I, I think, don't remember which one originally. Yeah, it's, originally one, it's one of those guys. But that's a very 
like like dark. It was there's it's, a truism to it. There's a tr- but I would not say it's true. No, yeah. It's, but there's a practical there's a rule gut of thumb level, level. There's a to gut it. level right. like we could probably do something here because we share we a share common a common enemy. Right, right. But that's also you take that too far. You get and all sorts of issues. You don't want to be. You don't. You don't want those people to become your best friends. I was reading a, a, another writer I follow, and he goes, "The better version of that is my the enemy of my enemy is my enemy's enemy, right. no more, no less." Right. Okay. So, and and it, it reflects the honesty that, that just because we have a common enemy does not mean we're allies. Right. Okay. It also doesn't mean we have to necessarily be enemies. Right. But it doesn't mean we're automatically one or the other. Exactly. So yeah. at this point, we have the rebellion, and it is starting to gain ground. Right. Because those idealists are creating problems for the empire because they have this idea of freedom and justice and representation, but mainly we roll it up into freedom. Mm-hmm. Okay? People should be free to make their own decisions. They should not be slaves. They should not be tyranny, which honestly is pretty cool because they're getting back to the ideas that never would have let a clone army get formed or any of the right, rest of this. Right. It's a return to ideals. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make for easy government either. No. Not by a long shot, which is why the the Republic, oh, not the Republic, but the Rebel Alliance starts quickly absorbing some of the flaws of the Republic. Right. It attempts to do galactic-grade warfare by committee. Mm-hmm. You see this in Rogue One. The yep. Council cannot agree. We're not launching the attack on Scarif, right? Yep. And then they're like, well, we're going to do it anyway. And then you get this rogue action where you see people starting to launch initi- initiatives on their own without authorization. Right. And then you see the power play in politics where it's like, yes, I told you you shouldn't do it. Here's the keys. Um, right. <laughs> so, right. So by the way, there are, you know, the section 164 dot blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Here's the information how to get in. But I'm telling you not to do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wink, nod. Right. Right. That... That was the result of, in a sense, that's a corruption, right? Of yep. of what would be, uh, due pro- like essentially the process or a chain of command, because they were realizing their chain of command was very idealistic, but didn't right. have a necessary level of practical to get there. So this was what the republic, the new republic, eventually, but the rebel, rebel alliance had to kind of work its way through. And there were power plays and dynamics, and Mon Mothma is the leader, very idealistic, very principled, but kind of terrified of letting anyone else in to help kind of run it. Right. Like she trusted Leia and a couple people, but not others. Yeah. Uh, General uh, Garmbel Iblis was one of the other okay. generals of the republic, and Mon Mothma at one point stonewalls him and shoves him to the side and says, "No, I don't trust you." Mm-hmm. And he was a tactical genius that was at least competitive with Akbar, but the but the rebel alliance lost one of their geniuses who went out to do his own war against the, the Empire, mm. which was helpful to the Rebel Alliance, but yeah. it was not coordinated yeah. because they couldn't figure out how to play nice. That personality click issue came into being. And, and to repair that, if you read through the lore, that required some serious humility. Yeah. That's hard, particularly when you're in the crisis moment of trying to run a rebellion. Right. Yep. So as the story goes on, we see the rebellion You know, gets, gets legs, the Death Star... Has a faulty exhaust port. We Pop. we meet a hero yep. who comes from the sands of Tatooine. He <laughs> all uh, sorts of daddy issues. Yeah, all sorts of daddy issues. We have, Daddy's got all we, sorts of issues. <laughs> right. We have we have all of these. We we've got all the all the issues. Um, we've got both a father and a son duo who don't know they're a father and son duo. And Talk a brother, about a restoration a brother of family and dynamics. A sister duo who don't know they're a brother and a sister <laughs> well, that duo. Got, that got awkward. And yep. then we have you know we have this kind of um, you know. In a sense, you, I'm sure there's somebody in the galaxy who's like, if it wasn't for the Skywalker family, all of our lives would just be so much okay. simpler. Okay, like, so like it's just those dramatic. It's like oh, yeah. keeping up with the keeping up with the Kardashians is keeping up with the Skywalkers. Yeah, That's yeah. The, so the think alternate about, telling of Star Wars. So think, think about this for a second, Daniel. Can you imagine Vader on Death Star One? He's like, we captured this ship. On this ship is my daughter. 
Right. My son. Yeah. My former master. My droid. Yeah. And my wife's droid. Yeah. And a guy in a vest with a walking carpet. Who the heck is the guy in the vest? Right. Because somehow he's collected all of the Skywalker right. drama and dropped exactly. it in my bay. Okay. Yeah. Like I yeah. mean, to be fair, you're like that much Skywalker. Oh heck, yes, it's blowing up. There is right. no way that right. there's no way that thing is going to survive. But yeah. that being said, the, the what was the Mace Windu thing? That idea of a shatter point, someone that can like have huge implications. Mm-hmm. The Skywalker family in Star Wars lore, or at least up until they did the seven, eight, and nine, um, was really that shatter point for the Star Wars universe. Like yeah. the Skywalkers could could raise and fall empires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of terrifying when you yeah. think about it. Um, but especially when you look at, especially when you look at the, just the raw material there and you're like, I don't know, Luke's kind of a dusty, Sandy. He's a farm boy. Farm boy who doesn't really know much about life. No, right actually. Now. And uh, until, until the monstrosity they did with Luke for the last movies, I actually really like him. Mm-hmm. He has a very innocent level of faith. Right. Yeah. And then, and yet, you know, he, he, as we, so as we, not to, not to bypass over too much, but we get through, you know, we, we, Death Star 1 goes away. We, we have Empire Strikes Back. We have that whole deal. Um, we get to Return of the Jedi and the second Death Star. They're, they're always working on a new one. They're, you know, nothing like a family reunion in the middle of imminent death, right? Nothing, okay. nothing like that. Um, you know, as this nice government, to see dad loves his son, right? We, okay, but, but you know, as soon as as soon as this government came into contact with family values, <laughs> yeah, bad the stuff whole happened, thing broke, including yeah. an assassination. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you know. yes, I mean, but then it's like, and, and then we see the failure of succession planning for the republic. Yeah, Empire, I mean, you know, because he never intended to die, right? Right, the weakness and, of every dictator, and and you know. If you're if you're a loyal uh, citizen of the empire, you're just kind of like, wow, why couldn't our leaders? Our leaders were great with building projects. You know, every oh, yeah. infrastructure every was years, our friend. Yeah, every five years we had a new Death Star, and then it looks like the whole time we were working on you know whatever Star Killer Base or whatever it's called. Oh sure, and then you have those we, massive Super Star Destroyers. Yeah, they built like five of those things. Like they which took means the gross they started, domestic product of a planet to right, build that. Right, like, right. Or three. So, so you know, if you're an Empire citizen who's kind of like, I don't know, I'm just trying. If you to work be in construction, you're really rich when it's done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or you're a slave and you're not. Well, there's that. Um, but the, yes. but <laughs> that's if how you're it works. Wookie, it's not that's great. how it works in a dictatorship. You yes. know, if you're friendly, you, yeah. you can become very wealthy. Exactly. And so now we get to where we've got the the Empire's uh, dead for now. Uh, Darth Vader is dead, and Luke. Well, the empire is at least on it's, it's on the fade. It's on the run. I meant yeah, I meant yeah. the emperor. Himself. Oh, the emperor. Yes, yeah, yes, I yes. Think I said empire. Yes. Um, but yeah, so then we get into you know controversial territory, which is seven, eight, and nine. Seven, eight, and nine. And, and then we, we have get, the new republic and the resistance. And we in the middle of that we have what you order. referenced a minute ago, which is our heroes functionally lose faith. They our heroes they our heroes become Jaded. disillusioned, bitter, cynical. Broken. Old. <laughs> yeah. Old, definitely yeah. old. Yeah. No, they do, they do. Um, and, and I think what's really interesting is they, they they don't take a lot of time on this, but we can extrapolate a little bit from uh, The Force Awakens yeah. with a little bit of what happened there. You see the the fact that they drove out the Empire enough to set up their new government, the right. new Republic. This is where Disney departs from canon, mm-hmm. and what I would originally was canon, and they, they moved that into the extended universe, and they yeah. moved off to, or legends, whatever legends, they want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a real shame because they the, the book work did a lot better idea of under developing the struggles of setting up a government they actually cover a lot of territory in that it's mm-hmm. really good highly recommended particularly the stuff by timothy's on but that being said there's my plug um if you ever want to come on our show please let me know sir um <laughs> but um at the same time you see this idea that the republic got enough space to live 
Mm-hmm. They didn't actually free the galaxy from the Empire. Right. They carved out a hole to live in and then said, oh, I'm more tired. Right, yeah. And they stopped. And they, then they had to focus. They focused on internal problems. They lost their idealism. They started making their capital bounce around a bunch of stuff. And they no longer, they did the same thing the Republic did. It just did a shorter window. Mm-hmm. They stopped their, their robust defense of their principles. Not to ma- and the Republic right. had, for example, a fleet, but they stopped using it Rightly. Right. Small example is like in the Mandalorian show, we see whenever we meet an X-Wing in the Mandalorian show. Yep. It's so different from an X-Wing in A New Hope. Yep. When you, you know, in A New Hope, it's like these idealistic freedom fighters. And it comes rushing in. And rushing in. And in The Mandalorian, we basically got meter maids. Right. Well, the police cruisers. Like, they're just sitting yeah, there chugging along. They're just sitting there kind of like, like, yeah. Eating their coffee and donuts. Well, oh, they're expecting and they're them like, to come in and do and do like like paperwork inspections. Right. Oh, exactly. so I just yeah. applied for my thing from Coruscant. I'll yeah, get my yeah, paperwork. Yeah. You know, bureaucracy the, again. It's bureaucracy. Right. And Palpatine's and like, rolling over in his uh, hyperbaric chamber. Something. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But but that and Not it's just, grave. But, but you're seeing that and you're like this. And well, and you also see the people who believed in the Republic. Yeah. Fading. Cara Dune, for example. She's mm-hmm. like, I did this. I was a Republic shock trooper. Like, we went down right. and hunted down right. moths and admirals. And we did, and I'm not saying she was necessarily, what they did was necessarily good, but there was definitely an aspect of trying to clean up yeah. that then got messy and complicated. Right. And it wasn't worth the effort to well, do it. It's really interesting in politics and history. And, and I think you're right that, the, like, the ethics is part of this too. You, you got to have the, you got to have your ethics in line. But, like, when you're the underdog, you don't really like like. It's not that hard to get people to root for. It's hard no. like in the big picture, it's hard to get people to root for you. But internally, everyone's like, easy. "Yeah, no, we we know we're the underdog. We're in the right. We're trying to do something good well, here." And recruiting's easy, we, right? Recruiting. Like, do you have a problem yeah. with the current system? Let's yeah. try a new one. Exactly. And everyone's like, "Exactly." I am sick of this. The minute the minute you get to where you are not like the underdog, now the you're in underdog charge, and or the threat is not. On your doorstep, right, and the threat is like out there hiding in. It becomes you become, complacency you know, becomes real strong. Complacency becomes real strong, and the voices of of basically dissension and bickering because then you, then you have a minute to catch your breath, and you're like, well, I think it should go this way. Right. Well, I think it should go this way. Right. And what's interesting is that that's a classic evergreen problem of of democracy or representative government. I would say it's better than the alternative. Except the the upside to problem. the alternative, right. the upside to the alternative, dictatorship, empire, whatever. As long as you're in charge, you don't have to worry about the the, the competing ideas. You're like, I've got power, right? And this is Deal where that it. ethic of that idea of the imago deo that we right, talk about. Right. How even if I don't like the person, the person's ideas or beliefs, whatever, but they're made in the image of God, and that's yeah. worthy of respect and honor. Like that's where. Star Wars keeps crashing and burning as a government because they're missing that. Right. And whereas if you're in power and you're like, okay, I need to care about the people that I'm that I'm responsible yeah. for, that I'm stewarding power for, even the ones that I don't agree with, yeah. I need to make sure they're treated well as well. And that becomes a huge difference. And I think that's essentially, if you wanted to say the fatal flaw in governance in Star Wars, is that that never quite makes it. So here's a question that's probably... Uh, you know, the question of of mo- the modern era or, or American government or something like that. But like, what what should have been done? Well, you, you know, what what when you're at that moment where you've you have kind of beaten back the empire and you're trying, mm-hmm. you've got the minute to catch your breath. You don't want to just be 
ruthless, brutal, bloodthirsty. Like we are going. I don't to want to hunt. be what was. Right. right. We don't want to be what was. We don't want to be our own team of the inquisitors, uh, whatever the, the, the high inquisitors. Yeah, the and high inquisitors. Yeah. You know, we, that's not exactly what we're looking for. But we also don't want to just get bogged down in bureaucracy and infighting. That's like, oh my gosh, another committee meeting. Right. Right. So what do we do? So you do a couple things. First of all, it is incumbent upon anyone to make sure that they can articulate why they exist and what their values are from the get-go. Because you don't want anyone to be surprised by what you do. You, maybe they may not expect your tactics, but they should never be surprised by your principles. And when you join a revolution, if you don't tell everyone, you know, or if you join that cause, let's move it into more modern terminology because we don't really do revolutions, and that's really nice. Um, but mm-hmm. we definitely do changes of power in our country. You want people, you want to be straightforward about what you believe and why. And you, you never tell people why they have to agree with you, but you should always tell them who you are. Okay? And so that when you do stuff, they're not surprised by it, one. And then two, it also means that you, I think, and this is probably, I think, one of the things that was the weakness, that was definitely a weakness happening in the rebellion, which I think carried over into the Republic, or the New Republic, was that they did not do a good job of communicating with their supporters, like what they were doing and why and what the end plan was. So you have Mm -hmm. to think about more than just getting the power. You have to think about how you're going to use it. And so there's an aspect of bringing people in, engaging them. And then there's, there has to be paired with that some aspect of, all right, here are the principles we believe. We've believed them. That's why we started this. We believe them now. We're going to keep, we still believe them and we're going to keep implementing them. And that can get hard. Okay. Um, In fact, sometimes it's, and and that often is where you, you have drop off because People don't really want to push for it, mm-hmm. okay? And, and I get that, but but you have to actually take those ideas, those values, those principles, communicate them to get to go, keep communicating them as you go forward. And honestly, if you want to maintain respect, you keep doing it, okay? Like you saw that in a sense with Leia. Like they make Leia kind of the heroic figure in this mm-hmm. one because she's the one who never gave up the belief. She always, she kept yeah. with the principles. She didn't play yeah. fast and loose and dirty. But what she didn't have was anyone else who believed the same thing she did. Right. Or if they did, they all joined here. There wasn't enough of them. Right. And what it meant was that there was not an articulation of common principles that could hold it together. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that's so important to have a government is you need some common principles that people underneath it can go, yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that everybody should have due process even when I hate what they believe. Mm-hmm. I believe that innocent before proven guilty. And even if that means that a guilty person goes free, it means that we that the innocent person always goes free Mm -hmm. and we'll make that trade. And you find those common points of agreement and you keep emphasizing them. And then the other thing you do is when there's bad, you call it out and you hammer it. Right. Okay. Letting it go because it's on your side. The Saw Gerrera example Mm -hmm. from earlier. No, we don't do that. We actually hold our principles to account. And that even includes holding them to us. Mm -hmm. That part's hard because once you get power, it's, it's a tasty thing. Right. Yep. That's, that's, I think that's an important challenge. Uh, anything else? Is there anything else we should cover here? We kind of flew through nine movies and a few hundred years. Yeah. Well, well, you know, and then we just slowed down time and we took six movies to go over, you know, right, right. Uh, uh, 30 years. But um, yeah, I think this was great. Uh, I think that there's, you know, some tongue-in-cheek lessons we can learn and some more sincere, practical things that we can take away. I I think one of the awesome things about science fiction is it lets us explore things that we really maybe can't quite talk about properly in in normal life, and we can explore it in a fictional world, but you can see the draw over. I think the other thing that's fun is that you get to see the strengths and weaknesses of different forms of government here. The empire was efficient. That's true. It just wasn't just. Yeah. And sometimes we're willing to trade inefficiency for justice. That's actually a pretty good trade, I would argue. Right. 
But you can't have no efficiency, right? Because then you get to a system that can't function at all. And, yep. and so there's there's that idea of everything in balance, all things in moderation. To use an old Puritan principle, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's an old thing. <laughs> um, but that they didn't do that. They they the, each of these empires and governments tend to swing toward extremes. And and you know to jump out of Star Wars and back into the real world a little bit, I think that that is one of the reasons. You know, I've never been a person to you know say that. Uh, any of our founders for sure or America as a whole is like divinely uh, commissioned or perfect. Like that, that's some territory we don't, some theological territory we don't want to The Constitution did not come down as a word from God on high. Right, and our founders were not uh, spotless. They were not angels walking among us. Angels walking among us, no. However, however, it is with all of these tensions we're talking about, and I, okay, so your revolution worked, now what kind of a government are you going to have? Uh, just regularly astounded at the the juncture of history that our country was formed at, and the the ways that it was set up on some underpinnings that allowed us to iterate and allowed us to mm-hmm. to go through the sometimes painful process of getting more and more in line with our actual values mm-hmm. and beliefs. We are closing on 250 years of history as our country. We're not quite there yet, but I think we're going to get there. Yeah, um, but. But I will note that same weakness there of that common underpinning of values and beliefs. That's why it has to be attended to. Right. Um, if you let that go, the whole thing will break. Or you'll right. turn into something where you look at it and say... It's unrecognizable. That's not what I believed in. Yeah. And then you start the crazy cycle that is yep. this. Um, I hope we don't go there. But I, I think it, it shows how important that is to make sure we take the time to attend to those. Because yeah. just assuming that everybody can coexist and somehow we'll find points of commonality, well, it gives rise to the factions that created this mess. You're totally right. And the one funny thing is, is that even in the, you know, the Republic, the more representative form, there was never a sense in Star Wars that every citizen mattered and had a voice. There were no. too many citizens. There were too were. many planets. There were too many systems. And that's something that, you know, we, we wholeheartedly believe at Gen J and you guys listening know this by now, but it's like we, we our, our whole concept is that your voice matters today and that you, you are crucial to the preservation of freedom, that you are crucial to, not that you'll necessarily be elected to office or anything like that. You might be, but it's more like in order for these, for the, for the good things to stay good and the worthy things to stay around, you've got to stay in the game. Yeah, you do. And if you disengage the whole, each person that does that weakens the whole. And at a certain point it will crash and burn. No, any one person is indispensable. Right. But everyone is indispensable. In that right. It's that weird paradox of, yep. of yep. it's not that one of you until you're the needle until you're the the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. Well, we've seen this quote, with Gen J all quote the time. Unquote, right? Doesn't matter until it you doesn't realize matter until I was you really the, you were the person. Who yeah. Did it. yeah. And that's you know that not to we, we, we got other wrap, stories yeah, for we, that we discussion. We got to wrap it up, but you know it's like <laughs> that's the whole issue with people who say, "Does my vote matter?" Yes. Yeah, of course it does because it's you and him and her, and it's like, and I don't know which one of you is the is the right. I don't know. I can't. I know that one of you. Is the one that if you weren't there, but I don't gone. know which I don't one know of you which is. One so the answer many. will be all yeah. of you. Yeah, all exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, I think that's a good note to end on. Thanks, Joel. This was fun. Oh, it's Hopefully always a you pleasure. Guys I like listening. <laughs> May the fourth be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. Hey, friends, if you enjoyed today's episode of the Gen J Podcast, go ahead and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, most of the other major podcast sites and apps.
apps. Uh, if you really liked the show, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review, uh, hopefully a good review to help other people find it. Uh, this is really helpful when we're starting out with a new show to help people connect with the podcasts who are already listening to similar podcasts. We would love to stay in touch with you, so shoot us an email at info at generationjoshua.org or follow us at Generation Joshua on Instagram and Facebook. We will be back soon with another episode.